from Tacoma, Washington. This is the Off the Back Podcast. Hello and welcome to Off the Back Podcast. I'm Maddie B. Okay. Are you like in the Spice Girls now or what? I am in the Spice Girls. Um, I'm Danny Clark. We get this. Oh, hey, hey, Danny Clark. We had a little bit of a mishap last week where had a couple of things that took place. Like, for example, me leaving my old job and handing in my work laptop. Uh-huh, go on. The day after us recording uh, last week's podcast. And then uh, thinking that I had done some things to save the the rip, the bounce, sorry, the bounce of last week's podcast. And then... Uh, Forgetting that I hadn't saved the balance of last week's mm. podcast and going ahead and erasing aforementioned work laptop and uh, handing it into our uh, our uh, IT team, and so um, just coincided with Danny coming into my place of work, and so at some point we're sitting together, and I'm just like, oh shoot, <laughs> I erased this podcast from yeah. yesterday so last week's podcast that shall not be named um dude it was a good it one was really as good well. including yeah. how just strikingly accurate our race predictions were uh for this week's uh this week's race yeah except i had hoped to see more from campanats and the tour of flanders yeah, did but, not deliver a campanats result but i mean i i just i have to say and i guess history will never prove this but like wasn't it crazy that we both predicted that it would come down to a uh, cat and mouse sprint between Pagacha and Matthew Vanderpool <laughs> and Pagacha would end right. up getting boxed out at the end by Dylan Vanderbal. Vanderbal. Van Vanderbarl. Vanderbarl. That sounds really weird. I cannot believe how accurate that was we were. So accurate, and it's such a shame that there's oh, nothing gosh. that proves us. Well, you'll just have to take us for our word. Yeah, I hey. guess. Sorry. Hey, Runa. Come on. Oh back. gosh. Back. This is sorry. Just talking to my dog. Dog training. Um, so yeah, so last week, uh, sadly, we did uh, we did lose that episode into the into the world of data data oh, erasure. So, I'm so sad. Um, I hate it when you like wrap up an episode and you're like, oh man, that was a good one. Yeah. And then the next day, it's just gone. Well, we'll do our best to bring uh, some fresh. Another freshy, a little fresh. Bring some of that fresh energy. But man, gosh, I just, I I guess I'll never live down how accurate we were about the Flanders prediction. (laughs) Because I, I was shocked. Uh, But, um, but no, we, we did have some fun racing to watch uh, this last weekend. Uh, Pretty darn exciting race, actually. Well, and kind of had a fun month of racing. Oh, yeah. I I forgot. Uh, (laughs) Because we didn't actually produce our po- well, we, whatever our podcast didn't meet the airwaves but we did talk in our last week about um yeah the last month of racing because we have both kind of been uh, just busy with life yeah it's and... been oddly complicated <laughs> there's been lots of like yeah. hey so what days work best for you and then this day oh wait no that day doesn't work best for me anymore or like when i showed up to podcast and matt like hops in the car and i'm like wait are we are we having a podcast and he's like no we're having a beer and i was like but 
but the podcast i, I didn't <laughs> some little misunderstandings uh, it's all good all good but yeah so we i guess um we last week had had kind of uh, kicked things off with uh with our famous how was your week although it was how was your month how was your month so now we're at like how was your last Five weeks. <laughs> How was your month plus one, Dan? Yeah. Um, well, great. I will. Why don't you kick us I'll off? I'll kick us off. Um, so, so yeah. I uh, let's see. I've I actually finally got back on the bike. Oh. Um, I I think um, I've. Well, I'm just gonna talk freely and not try to re- like put anything into perspective from what we discussed last. Yeah. Week no. Since, just be free. Since again, it's it's uh it's gone into uh into cyber cyber nowheres um but no last week uh was just really or the last few few weeks have been really good in the sense that um i've actually had some some time off of work kind of taking time to just recalibrate myself my head uh where i'm going and what i'm doing um which uh which has been a journey in and of itself but um aside from that I had taken many, many weeks off the bike, I think just both for the weather being pretty rubbish around here and, uh, and just for, again, like a little mental and physical respite, uh, or respite respite. I don't know which is the more accurate version. Well, probably however the English person would say it. My son is currently trying to sneak across the room (laughs) by being really quiet and it just ends up being more distracting. It's fine. Um, just go Oliver. (laughs) So the short of it is, um, I have taken a few kind of mini retreats and one of which was down to Bend, Oregon Mm. and, uh, camped just North of the city, kind of in this grassland. Isn't that the sprinter capital of the world? Yeah, I I pulled into Smith Rock, which is a really famous like state park right near Bend, and it's a cool spot. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I rolled in, and at one point, I passed like an entire parking section that was nothing but Subarus, like probably fifty, and and it would just was a random like section of parking, and then. And then there's like the oversized lot and in this oversized lot was, was like a hundred sprinter vans. And I'm just like, okay, um, what is happening here? Uh, it's such a strange town, but dude, we have, uh, some friends that probably put about 50 K into yeah. a sprinter van, maybe three years ago, yeah. two, three years ago, they just sold it for almost 90 plus K 90 K. It was like 89,000 yeah. bucks. Well, even my, uh, some other friends of, of ours, uh, they bought one of those Mercedes four by fours off the lot, like right at the start of the pandemic. And basically within a year, the dealer was calling them back, like offering them like 15 K over what? because they were, they were sucked dry. Dude. So it's, it's just, still it's so mental. cool though. Like oh, I don't yeah. care that everyone has one at the end of the day. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it the is, aesthetic. It is pretty cool. Especially but, those four by four, the off-road ones. Oh yeah. Yeah, I love it. But um but yeah, so I camped uh in this dispersed area in this national grasslands and did some gravel rides like literally into nowhere. And the daytime highs were nice in like low sixties, but overnight was, you know, thirty five, thirty six degrees. And at one point I was so far out into the middle of nowhere that I'm like, if I crash or puncture, 
or like something happens, I'm going to, I'm going to die. Like I can't stay out here overnight and wearing spandex. I have no, <laughs> I have like no warm gear, like, and I'm probably 10 miles from my trailer. Like, uh, so anyways, it was, it was, uh, it was a cool experience until I had that moment of realization. I'm like, I'm going to turn around. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I finally got back on the gravel bike and then finally did some road riding around here, um, which has been nice. I also finally picked up some new road shoes uh, and I went for the uh, Shimano Espiuris. Um, I think they're pronounced. <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing. Okay. I'm just enjoying it. <laughs> uh, no, so I, I got the Shimano S-Fires and um, mainly because I wanted to look like everybody in the Pro Peloton that's wearing those. Uh, it's basically like specialized in Shimano shoes or like the shoes in the Peloton. Yeah. Right and anyone who's wearing black is like, ooh, yeah, sorry, bro. Dude, Sags like, rocks the black shoes though. Oh, and then uh, Anamik Van Vluten as well. Ooh, yeah. And... Camping arts, camping arts. Oh, I feel yeah, like rocks and black shoes. We've already talked about how weird he looks on a bike, but yeah, it is weird because black was the color, and now it's like if you don't have white socks, white shoes, like you're nothing. Yeah, you're nobody. Yeah. Well, and if you don't wear white socks over your leg warmers, then you're also <laughs> nothing. That's like a, a Vanderpool. That's more, yeah, that's more of a cross. Thing. <laughs> well, because I think when you ride road, you always wear your your leg warmers over because you want to be able to take them off. Right. Yeah. But when you ride cross, it doesn't really matter because you don't have time to take that. Yeah, stuff off. that's true. Well, true, true. I, uh, I did do these Shimano's though. And I will say that Shimano sizing is really weird for me. Like the, I did a half size down that was, was like, like latex glove tight on my foot. And then I went the half size up and it was like, it felt like I was kind of swimming, but, uh, stuck with the larger size, um, but these shoes are really interesting in that they're terribly uncomfortable off the bike, but on the bike, I'm just like, wow, like mm. the, the pedal platform feels so solid. Um, like my toe box, even though they're narrow shoes, actually like my toes feel like I have room to move and they're just, they're so far um, pretty pleased with these shoes. And I, I purchased you backcountry.com. Uh, who- Did you get a sticker of a goat? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, that and like a hundred dollar off a wine subscription coupon or something. <laughs> and, and, uh, a Mike cigars yeah. uh, oh, magazine man. or something. But basically, um, yeah, they were just super cool because I was on the fence with the sizing and they're just like, Hey, 30 days, like don't sweat it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm giving them a go, but so far I've been pretty pleased and, uh, and actually looking at Shimano dirt shoes now. So we'll may get the, it's uh, going to be almost like a thousand bucks. Well, shoes. we'll are you, see. Are you going to, cause I know that you, uh, I mean, you definitely didn't want to keep wearing your Giro's anymore right. for various well, reasons. The, well, and the Giro's were them? maybe, but like who buys used bike shoes? Well, but, I just sold okay. some, my pro lights for well, like, maybe. I do. I, those are like so great shoes. Well, the Shimano's are good. I just, I feel like I had so much like movement, uh, in all directions where I, like, it was hard for me to ever know what was the best position. And these Shimano's just like put my foot into the right position, which is great. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, I don't know. Um, was we'll it because of the laces you think? Uh, no, it's just, 
I think it's like if you look at the Shimano shoes, they have a really pronounced um like pedal platform mm. where almost like the sole is like its own shape and then they kind of like custom shape the pedal platform. So it just seems to really lock mm. your the ball of your foot like into the right position. Do you have high arches? Like do you Perhaps. have do you have uh inner soles that support your arches yeah they're just this the shimano ones oh, but they have adjustable arch okay things. do you have it on the highest arch yes setting? i do okay but yeah they're they're just uh they've been good although they are yes a bit spendy i don't want to talk about that uh <laughs> although i do you know try try to support local shops when i can no local shops had these uh, but now that I kind of know size and fit, you know, I may try to buy some used like mountain shoes or something. Um, but yeah, you know, usually kind of figuring out what, what works for you. And then if you can find them secondhand or something, mm. save a few bucks down the road. Um, you gotta get, I mean, if you're riding cross, you gotta get the blue ones. Really. Oh yeah. Oh, that's yes. the color. But yeah. So overall, um, just, just good. Been good. Things are Things are pretty, pretty good. Pretty mm -hmm. good. Um, you feel yeah. like you're writing enough? No, no, no not at all. Either. Nope, not really. But, uh, but yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what this spring and the summer brings uh, here. But, but yeah, that's uh, that's generally it. I think. I'm trying to remember the things I covered, but also not think only on the. Well, things you I talked. Covered. Uh, you texted me during the week that you had you'd bought that car Chinese carbon cross frame, mm. and then you were looking at the prices of Canyon. Yeah. Crawltimates. Yeah. So the the Canyon um, in flight, which is the 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 cross frame that Matthew Vanderpoel yeah. and. Uh, Celine Del Carmen, uh, both and ride puck beaters, puck beaters. Um, beaters it's, yeah, they Canyon's offering that frame. It's not like their pro pro frame. So it's a, like some grams heavier. It's a little different carbon layout, but yeah, it's, aluminium. uh, no, it is carbon, sure. but it's like 2,200 bucks. I just don't even understand how that's a thing. Well, what, that's, but that's gotta be like, uh, that's got to be what like grx 900 right uh i mean it, it's a mix of grx i mean there's some lower level components on it but but dude i mean i'm the chinese carbon frame open mold i got it's like 500 bucks and by the time i bought a group yeah. set and wheels and bars and all that i mean i'm going to be into it that i'm almost seeing the, same the bikes price. yep yeah grx 810 2200 tempting and it's got the kind of like european coming soon though well june it's got it the sort this... of like euro color scheme on it so the dark and light blue and white um yeah i think that's the the uh alpachin um phoenix colorway alpachin alpacin alpacin <laughs> i don't even know which one it is uh yeah but, it's got a mixture of it's got the rx 600 crank now the 600 is better than the 900 right isn't it go uh, that way or is it the other it's way lower but i mean on a single it's a single cog so it's not yeah it's a one by up front so it's not like it's that that big of a difference 
So the derailleur is the 800, the crank is the 600, the chain is the 600, uh, the brake lever is the 600. That's the the better one, right? Uh, no, the 600 is the lower end. Oh, so the 900 is the better one. No. 800. 800 is the better one. Okay. Oh, it's got a chain chain catcher. That's nice. Yeah, so anyway, we'll, yeah, we'll it's see. It's hard to beat 2,200 for like the bike that basically the same bike that Vanderpol has been just like domineering everything right. in the whole world. Yeah. They do make a pro model. That's not on their website. That's uh, apparently again, a slightly lighter carbon layout, Take. but fundamentally, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great buy. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see Interesting. what comes cross season. Oh, and then other wheels carbon. Any, yeah, you know, so dude, I think that's great, man. I I just hope you don't lose out on money on that. Yeah, we'll see. This has just been a season frame. of stupid purchasing lately, so we'll see yeah, what I happens. Yeah, I get it. It's, it's like <laughs> sometimes when you're bored, you just kind of lose it a little bit. It's definitely happening. Well, enough about uh, us bike shopping uh, live via the podcast. Um, what <laughs> What is... Uh, what about you, man? How's, how's my month? How's your weeks? Uh, well, before I kind of jump into talking about what I was uh, going to talk about, I just wanted to uh, just remember and call out um, somebody that inspired me uh, to be a better podcaster, but also somebody that has written just a bunch of books that have been really cool and inspired me to learn more about cycling. Uh, Richard Moore passed at the mm. beginning of last week, and he wrote the sort of seminal cycling history book, uh, Chasing the Badger, about the 1985 and 1986 Tour de France's with the rivalry between Greg LeMond and Bernard Hinault. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, he has sort of headed up the cycling podcast for all of the years that that thing has been in existence. And... I've been listening to it for many years as well. I know, Danny, you have too. And just kind of a shame. I don't know what's going to become of that podcast. He was the heart and soul and spirit of it. And right. um, just wish the best to that crew, um, to, uh, yeah, their family, to everyone that was working with him. Hope that this is, you know, you're able to get through this tough time um and we feel it like i i too have felt that loss and i barely knew him i've just heard his voice in my head many many times so um rest in peace richard moore um you will be missed on the podosphere um and uh, wish the best to your family uh so anyway, let's yeah. move on. Um, always a tough transition to walk through. But uh, man, how's my month been? Done a little bit of riding. I mentioned that I changed jobs, which means now for the first time in 14 years, Danny Clark, I have weekends off. There you go. And I have evenings off. Nailed and it. so uh, I... I've started to try to make Saturday morning rides a priority. Um, and so I kind of took care of some stuff this Saturday morning and then took a ride with the old, uh, the old Cinelli Strato faster, um, went across the bridge, had, had a grand time, great little ride. Um, done very little work on either of my bikes. Um, 
I dropped off the the Cinelli at uh, Cascadia Bike Company and they'd given me a bunch of recommendations and I've probably done two of the things that they've told me. I still <laughs> need to get some bar tape. Um, and again, just with the leave that I had and the timing of jumping back on work, I just haven't had a huge amount of uh, accessible money to make some of those changes. Um, but uh, one of my sort of highlights cycling-wise that didn't include actually getting on a bike was hanging out with our friend Joe and going over our ride for the Palouse to Cascades trail, except we're doing Cascades to Palouse. And um, it, we are planning this trip for the end of May. It's going to be a four-day tr supported trip. Just the first day is going to be unsupported. And um, man, I couldn't be more excited. Like some, we went over sort of satellite imagery of uh, the whole route and it's going to be breathtaking. Uh, it's going to be kind of some monster-ish days. Um, and to help with those days, he uh, procured, I think mm. is the word I'm looking for, some uh, 2.1 inch tires, so some 55 millimeter tires, which my bike will support. And just to make sure uh, I put them on this weekend and whew, the bike's looking pretty pretty sweet like those tires beefy. are yeah beefy is the word those tires are enormous um i haven't even taken them outside <laughs> i just put them on and just happy to look at them for now uh mainly because i i don't have any more um uh like latex uh sealant sealant yeah and and that's a I what are you supposed to do when you take off a tire and you still have latex in? I usually just, just try you just to reuse drain it? it, or do you reuse it? I mean, I usually pour it into like a little cup or jar and then just put just it back in the okay. tire. I didn't know what to do, so I just ended up kind of getting rid of it, and um, I didn't think of. But Whoops. it's kind of also hard to like, like especially when it's stuck in the tire, it's hard to get it out of the tire and into a container that is true um but uh it would have been way easier well and what's weird is that when i got my bike back from cascadia they told me that there was no sealant left in the tires Ooh. but yet i still had a ton of sealant in my 47s which seems weird right that is weird like why and it makes Maybe me wonder like flat. did i forget to but that doesn't make sense no you might have no. I mean, it could go along with the whole windshield wiper debacle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Danny is talking about the fact that I went to the store to get uh, wiper fluid. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, antifreeze. That's what I want. So I picked up basically radiator fluid and put that in as wiper fluid. And it wasn't until like <laughs> a couple of weeks ago when my son came into uh, the kitchen and was like, hey, do we have any radiator fluid? And I was like, yeah, we have radiator fluid. It's in the shed. And then, and at some point I was like, wait, why do I have radiator fluid? Oh I haven't gosh. used any radiator fluid in months. Uh, and then as I reflected on the reason I had radiator fluid, I realized um, that I had put it in. So I got an old turkey baster and siphoned great my uh my fluid container um and i think uh so moving on from that the only other interesting thing to talk about is uh one of my goals was just kind of getting titanium bolts 
for my Campagnolo chorus derailers. And so I removed my old aluminium bolts, I mm. guess, and put these titanium bolts. And Danny, I saved, sit down when I tell you this, three grams. Excellent. But uh, those th- those grams add up. Yeah, especially if you just like were to pee before you got on the bike. Yeah, I'd probably, I mean, honestly, I could spit. And I'd probably, probably. Save, <laughs> I'd probably save as many oh, grams. man. But just, you know, the fact that it's titanium now um, yeah. just makes all the difference. Does it? Great. Some difference. Um, well, uh, that is exciting. I guess um, one thing that we had touched on that I think maybe we'll slightly dip back into was just like, we've both tried to spend a little bit of time on fitness, uh, over these past months, months and a bit. Yeah. Uh, Matt's been doing some physical therapy. I had done some no. Well, no. physical training, physical training. Sorry. Yeah. Tra- Sorry. That was a little like, no, come on. You're like, shut up, man, Shut up, bro. Um, and then, yeah, I've just carried on from some physical therapy that I had been doing as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We just, I guess in our very unscientific, untrained, um, hands-on experience, hands-on experience, we we were just going to share that, uh, yeah, I definitely found like a little set, little regimen of exercises that's been, uh, that's been really helpful, uh, for me. So. Uh, I'll kick off and here's why I'll kick off. Uh, okay, great. Uh, yeah, we wanted to talk about like, why is you won the coin toss? Why is sort of physical fitness or cr- maybe cross training is a better way to say it? Like just super important as you're riding. And, you know, we just had the tour of Flanders this past week and Matthew Vanderpoel has come back from a break in racing, uh, with, uh, a plum, Basically, you know, second at Milan San Remo, yeah. won a stage in uh, the stage at the Copi Batali that he did uh, between that race, won Flanders. So this is like literally his third race of the season. And one of the things that uh, reportedly he's been doing has been doing a lot more time in the gym, in the weights room. And that's really contributed to his overall fitness. So I think there's no question that having a broader uh, exercise regiment is benefiting every cyclist. And I know, you know, one of the things that my trainer points out often is, you know, we'll talk about that kind of like um, longitudinal longitudinal motion, uh-huh. you know, the kind of pedaling motion that sort of uh, in... Like pedaling? Yes, like pedaling. It's like a pedaling uh, motion. But the, the sort of the movement that runs, uh, you know, sort of in parallel to your body. Yeah. But as soon as you try and do a movement that is uh, perpendicular to your body, like to when you really start to the feel... The whole thing burns down. A lot, of we- a lot of weak. Yeah. A lot of weak. And so, you know, like one kind of classic exercise that really shows that off is when you do a, a side plank. And then you try lifting one of your legs up. Yeah. Um, and then realizing that you have no, <laughs> your glutes just don't have that strength there. Right. Um, another one is, you know, if you get a band around your ankles and you sidestep. Yeah. Uh, that is also a really solid exercise. And so it's just having that kind of overall balance and uh, fitness that isn't just 
that pedaling motion, but also provides strength outside of that specific yeah. movement. That's something that my trainer has really been encouraging me to focus on yeah. personally. Yeah. Uh, similarly, I, I think glute bridging is like the, one of the exercises that I keep going back to. Like um, one, like one legged ones where you, you put one yeah, leg I on mean, the floor and extend a leg yeah, and then do a bridge. Several variations. I mean, you can do just a traditional bridge. You can do, um, like one that I did uh, in therapy with was with like a longer rubber band. So not like the, not like the two inch thick ones, but like the really narrow ones, like one inch and yeah. longer. And it, and I'd put it over my knees and then hook it over my feet and then do a glute bridge. So you're both, you're like having to like keep your knees having like outward tension and, and wow. still like a little bit of tension in doing the bridge. And then, uh, yeah, like the one leg variations or even putting your heels on like one of those giant exercise balls and doing a glute bridge and then like even rolling that ball towards you and away from you while you're in the bridge. So there's Build, many variations. Mo mobility. Yeah, just some mobility and kind of some motion activation. Um, and then for me, like the mid back and the core has been like this huge battle I've been fighting of uh, – um, of yeah, just having really let the core go. And then like the mid back and neck and shoulders have mm -hmm. become really tight. And, and even just from being on a computer, like I always find myself shrugging my shoulders up to my ears and kind of leaning forward. And, um, so that's been one too, of just like a lot of mid back stretching. Um, yeah, there's many where you can kind of do the thread, the needle or do like, Oof. yeah. <laughs> like are you doing the side plank? Yeah. 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 And then, yeah. So there's many, but, but those have just, again, been like these core, core exercises in the sense of like recurring kind of foundational training that has been really good in, in, I think been helping, uh, me both find better balance on the bike, but then also finding better balance off the bike. Um, and just, yeah, just being able to, to get the body healthy again. So that's been, been good, but. But yeah, hopefully, uh, maybe just again, a little, little nudge for everybody to, uh, take care of oneself and don't just pedal away on the bike all the time. For sure. And I, th I think the muscle building exercises like squats, uh, is also really helpful. And there's this other oh, yeah. one and I can never remember what it's called, but it's essentially, you know, squat is where you go really deep and, and uh, you're really working. <clears throat> well, what do you mean? uh my one of my trainers talks about like squats is like going <laughs> going for a pee in the woods oh great and then this other one uh is more like going for a, a no sorry squats is like going for a poo in the woods great and this other one is more like going for a pee in the woods so it's essentially your you maybe uh your back is straighter oh yeah you're uh you're kind of engaging um i don't know if i'm following the the pee and the poop being well the the poo is when you go really <laughs> hello <laughs> and uh and the peeing is where you kind of more stick your butt out oh, okay. uh, and you're, you're higher up so your weight is kind of more to the like your your support talking about like a deadlift versus a squat maybe it's a dead but it's not actually maybe it's a deadlift um because I, I do i will say like the art the roman Rom, roman romanian roman sorry yes deadlifts those are big differences yeah uh, maybe yeah, maybe it's yeah, deadlift. That's what I'm looking for. Okay, great. Squat so, you know, squat is where you're you 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 kind of your butt's tucked down and uh -huh. you're pooing. <laughs> and then the deadlift is where your butt is back and it's yeah. kind of like you 
being great this but is doing so cool. doing both of those um also you know you're building different types of muscles um i've my trainers have been trying to get me to do both in each exercises um and both of those have been super helpful in terms of just feeling kind of like feeling like you're engaging your muscles in the right yeah. way um well and it's a bit of like cool. like for the deadlifts, at least it's a bit of a strengthening and lengthening of the hamstring where normally you're in like a, in a, a contracted motion on the bike. Mm-hmm. And even the same for the quads. I mean, you know, you don't, um, like I, I spoke last fall about like just doing some basic lunges and then like somehow pulling my quad because I think it had just become so tight from the cycling motion. But, uh, anyways, don't, well, we're we're fitness trial by error experts, so hopefully hey, well, this is through guidance. I just found these old pictures of Arnie doing oh, yeah. squats and deadlifts, and dude, that 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 dude's a beast. Sounds amazing. But yeah, well, so, uh, highly recommended. And I think one last thing: it's just core work. Yeah, just making sure. And I know that everything that we're talking about involves core work, um, but without that core work, I mean, you're really not you're not building the sort of foundation upon which to develop your deadlifts and your squats and your uh you know like glute building and all that kind of stuff like um and that doesn't really involve basically just doing like sit-ups and getting great abs like it's really it's just a lot of work yeah well um yes do all of these things. things Yeah, well, it, it's worthwhile just jump joining a gym, a gold gym, getting somebody to guide you, getting ripped like Arnold. Yeah. Well, we have some racing that's happened. It's uh, it is been quite the spring classic season, and more to come. If you are tuning into this podcast and you are not quite a pro cycling, uh partaker aficionado uh what have you you just should be tune in to every race in april because this is going to be some of the best racing you'll see aside from from july uh at the tour arguably um yeah this is just a back-to-back week after week of just really awesome racing um i i actually one of my buddies um who has started cycling recently, um, texted me today and was like, Oh my gosh, did you see Matthew Vanderpool hammer that sprint at, <laughs> at Flanders? And I was like, what, what? Whoa. Hey, nice job, buddy. Oh, yeah? <laughs> uh, cause, uh, nice. like this is a friend of mine who, you know, a few years ago, um, actually, you know, wasn't really doing a lot of physical activity and mm. just had, had shared how much he wanted to get into cycling and now he has, and he's in great shape. And, um, and then now texting me, like we talk racing wow. and I'm like, all right, dude, this is it. Cool. Like, so, um, so yeah, I think, I think this is the call of this month is the call to all cycling fans to take it a deeper level and get get into racing but can i just go over what's coming up Super oh quick. yeah wednesday we have shield de Prich, uh-huh. which is more kind of like a sprintery type of race uh sunday we have amstel gold Woo-hoo. um which is on the new course which doesn't have the the sort of climb and then that straight at the end 
Uh, and this is the one that uh, MVDP won in that bonkers sprint like three years ago, two years ago. On the following Wednesday, we have the Brabantse Peel, which is also a super fun race. On the 17th, we have Paris-Roubaix, which is my favorite of all. Okay, the following Wednesday, we have Flesh Wallone, which finishes the same way it does every single time on the the uh, the Mur, Hui. Uh, so what's his face? Uh, Alaphilippe will win that one. And then on the 24th, we have kind of the closing classic, which is um, Liege-Bastogne-Liege. Yes. Um, which, uh, you know, I think both of those races, actually Pogacar is going to win them both. So hopefully good for him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it, pretty exciting racing. And we've come off of the heels of some really, uh, really exciting races. I actually um, don't want to don't want to get too deep into it since I think we were now many weeks past some of these races. But just a few highlights that. Uh, I think have stood out to us um, is, uh, I mean, I guess, geez, there's a lot to cover here. But, I mean, Strada Bianchi, we saw... Start at the top. Start at we, the top. We saw Pagacha take the win. And this, like, even though even though you, you guys will never hear how accurate our call was for uh, Flanders, um, <laughs> I just, uh, I am so stoked to watch uh Pagacha race the spring classics. I mean, Matt and I were talking about this the other night, but like it's really been since, I mean, it was Merck's. So it was what Tom Simpson. And then it was Merck's. Yeah. And then it was, uh, Eno and Eno's like, uh, in the eighties. Yeah. So Merck's was seventies. Simpson was in the late sixties. Like it's been a while since there's been this rider who could contest a grand tour and then just be a one day classics rider. And, um, and Pagacha is like, I mean, let's face it, basically since Lance and even, but well, no, since Lance, it's basically been just this like marginal gain. Well, mm -hmm. in his case, maybe not marginal, <laughs> but like some significant, like just this kind of like, you know, push the pace, get your time in these little chunks. And like, you know, Lance wasn't necessarily a, a one day racer. Even Alberto Contador wasn't necessarily a one day. I mean, the, I guess the most diverse racer yeah. we've had has been like Valverde is probably the closest well, that we've had. Uh, per, well, Nibali. And Nibali. But he, he never won. Like he raced Flanders. He never raced Roubaix. Yeah. Um, I mean, he won Lombardia a couple of times. I don't know that he ever won Liège, um, but he was probably the has been the yeah. I I mean, Valverde's not bad. He just won the Vuelta of the Vuelta of once. Yeah, the Vuelta of once. But <laughs> the Vuelta of once. But I mean, to see in in even those names that we mentioned, like those are still true climbers, true stage racers that just so happen to have. You know, like Rusty Woods is another one who's who's tried mm. to contest like Grand Tours and you know. Um, even, uh, gosh, uh, Rigo Uran, but, um, but really Pogs is like this, this guy who can, who's the best in a grand tour and then shows up and like throws punches with Matthew Vanderpool and wow, even though Wout wasn't at the race on Sunday. So and like draw and I mean, almost dropping the whole Peloton. <laughs> well, so, so the first time they went up the, no, the second time they went up the Quermont. 
Do you want to skip ahead to Flanders? Are we Flanders? Are we I mean, I guess it? we are. <laughs> I mean, like Pogacar just took the lead on the chasing group past the breakaway yeah. and just went to the front and then it and then just like it yeah, I, there's well, no and, words there's no word well, like it, watching him race yeah. over it just re- reminds me of that time when um you remember that sprint with dan mckay where he just kind of like slotted between people and then won the sprint yeah like i think it was when he was racing for archaea samsic and you're watching it from this overhead view and just like how does a person even do that that we were like we were watching that but going up the Ode yeah. Quermont. Well, and this was like, I mean, I think back of the last seven or 10 years or so of uh, GC riders, and it's like, I mean, um, there is some diversity there. Like, I don't want to paint this too broad of a, of a distinction, but like, um, you know, Roglic, I think, is one who, who can tussle a bit in some one-day races. You know, there's been a few, but like, you think of Chris Froome, mm-hmm. you know, you think of, uh, gosh, you know, Egan Bernal, like some of some, like even, uh, Egan Bernal did try and did contest Strada Bianchi a couple of years ago and he didn't, he didn't do too badly. He didn't do too bad, but I mean, you think of like throwing Chris Froome into a one day classic and it's just, it's laughable because it's like, okay, cool. You're a, you're a Billy goat up mountains, but you can't handle, you know, the, the power, just the constant power and these attacks and stuff. And so, Anyway, I'm just rambling, but um, really excited to see Pogs win Strada Bianchi. I think this is kind of a new era where we're seeing uh, a maybe once in a decade writer mm-hmm. who seemingly is going to still what twenty three? I think twenty three, twenty two. Um, but he's going to go on and and continue to. 23 seemingly go on and, and continue this this prowess of being yeah. a grand tour rider and and a feature in a, these one day races so um so that was that was super awesome uh and then kind of rolling into san remo you know still pagacha um was a factor but uh Mate- well, he was the one who tried to break the race apart on the poggio yeah and just couldn't quite like it just, the Poggio, yeah, the Poggio just wasn't quite hard enough for him to drop those people. Right. And he, <laughs> I wonder, you know, he tried uh, at least four times to drop other riders. And I wonder if he had just waited for the right time. But yeah. uh, his team had kind of done their work on the Cipressa and they just, they didn't have any manpower left on the Poggio to really push that effort. But it was, an, it was a super interesting race. Um, well, on this side of Flanders, I mean, I wouldn't have had such a distinct, uh, perspective last, like two weeks, a week and a half ago, when we last talked about this, um, in the podcast that shall not be named, but, um, Pagacha, I think is showing some chinks in his, in his armor as far as, um, his, just his racing maturity mm. and not, not that he is a poor racer by any means because good grief i mean he has already won just about anything he's raced but um but there's definitely some times where i think he gets a little earnest and maybe throws down an attack where it's not needed um and then two you know as we saw the sprint in flanders um you know was so caught up in the cat and mouse game with vanderpool and and got himself 
we'll talk about this maybe in a moment, but, but got himself boxed in and basically didn't mm-hmm. even make the podium. So, um, so, you know, I think like someone even said today, uh, maybe I read this on cycling tips if I remember right, but like Sags is like, he has a three-year contract. Uh, he's kind of tired of racing, but he's in a position with his team where he is basically like the captain, like he is the captain now. <laughs> and sure, like Sags is kind of having a pretty rough start to the season. And by pretty rough, I mean like dropping out of races, <laughs> finishing like 60s and 70s. Why so serious? But, but, but Sags is offering a value to a team that is still worth it because he, he knows how to race races. Mm. Um, there, like that's one thing you could say about Sagan is that he is a very, very sharp racer. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, I think all that being said is just that we're seeing some of this immaturity in Pagacha and again, not to detract from his capability, but yeah, I think he's just made, made a few errors in, in these races that, um, you know, uh, maybe a few years from now he won't, he won't make, and he'll be even more, yeah. <laughs> more dangerous. Well, I mean, going into the into flanders i think we're kind of jumping around a little bit yeah but going into flanders you know he was also facing somebody who has come either first or second for the the last last three or four years yeah um you know so obviously uh vanderpol beat wout uh in a sprint in 2020 and then came fourth in 2019 he lost to Askreen last year in 2021. Right. And so coming into the sprint, you've got to think he knows what's up. Yeah. Like he's he's ready to win this sprint. Yeah. Um, and I think just with that experience and um, yeah, that just kind of know, just knowing how to win that race, that's where Vanderpol really won out. Um, well, and dude, I, like... Vanderpool had balls of steel to do what he did. You mean to let Madwas and Vanderball? Yeah, up? I mean, like, and I, you know, Vanderpool published his power data for who knows what reason on Strava, but like the cat <laughs> flex. Yeah, basically, I think his normalized power was like three hundred or four hundred watts or some insane amount for the whole race. Yeah, I saw um, over like the. Five hours of the race, it was like, well, it's more than five hours, right? Yeah. But it was like 280 watts yeah. for the whole race. Yeah, it's mental. Um, And his, he was, I mean, I don't even want to talk about it. It just makes me want to quit writing. But the, uh, but the little cat and mouse thing, like they were, they were still jostling between like 200, 300 watts, even though this was, they were like sat up. <laughs> And then they went from that, from like almost a standstill to a 1400 watt sprint. And like, good grief, man. I mean, you know, for him to just know that I'm going to give up this 20 second gap in the last like 500 meters and I'm still going to blast the doors off these guys was like, dude, I don't know. That's just like the fact that he pulled it off will go down in history but yeah. had he botched it like <laughs> it would have been the dumbest move in cycling ever like yeah. worse than worse than like one lap to go and you sit up thinking you've won thinking you've won yeah yeah um yeah um like i know that you were just kind of 
bummed that um, Pogues Pogues didn't yeah. podium at least, but I don't know. Like I, Pogues is one of those races that I've just decided oh, no. that like is I want to root your Niro for or my Niro. Uh, no, no, it's just kind of like he's always racing against somebody that I want to win more. Oh, I see. You know, and so like. Egan Bernal, like Vanderpol, like yeah. Wout. Um, and so, you know, like Alaphilippe, he's become the sort of the guy that I want to lose because I want others to win more. Mm, I see. Um, you know, and even like, <clears throat> well, it, <laughs> even Dylan Van Baal uh, would have probably been higher on my list. Uh, interestingly enough, little tidbit, uh, at no point in the existence of Sky slash Ineos have they podiumed at Flanders. Oh, interesting. So this was their first Flanders podium. Well, and this was a this was an interesting interesting situation there too. Sorry to we are kind of jumping all over, but uh Ineos had uh, like they seem to just be riding for themselves in some of these races because like uh Pidcock was in most of the moves and yet Van, Van Barl at the, at the point where they separated seemed as though he was just writing for himself. And it's, you know, you'd wonder like, were they a team that could have actually brought numbers to the finish because, and they had, who else was it uh, in the race before? Ben, Tur ben, Turner, ben Turner. Yeah. Who again was a big factor. So it's just like, I almost feel like, you know, these, like the it, last year, a few years ago, it was quick step train. It, this year is supposed to be Yumbo train, but they're kind of having some little hiccups here, especially with Wout being out. But like Ineos seem like they actually have like a spring classics team now. It's a legit team. And, but they're just not seeming to ride as a team. But I, I, you know, I can't, I can't hate Van Barl for his sprint that uh, boxed out Pagacha. But, you know, if this had been a bunch sprint, in a in a stage race he would have been disqualified he would have been relegated in my mind but because this is the classics race who van ball yeah really um, dude he moved all the way across all three sprinters to to the barricade by the finish but dude i just i mean pagacha had no one to blame but himself but yeah. but honestly he even shoved van barl at one point when he got boxed in and he still came across and I don't know, man, I, I do like Pagacha did like have words with Van Barl at the end. And, and honestly, it was kind of good to see Tade like a little fired up, but yeah, he was pretty, pretty bummed with that result. Yeah. Well, we, we have jumped all over. I, did you want to add one more thing? Yeah. No, well, not about Flanders, but, um, you know, Yes. <laughs> well, uh, so a couple of other races that uh, quickly stood out. So one, the we weekend. We used up all our good transitions last episode. The, the, yeah, the weekend before at Dwarz Dord Vlanderen, we yeah. did see MVDP beat Tish Benut yes. in a sprint. Um, and, you know, uh, Milan San Remo has consistently the, the most exciting last uh, finale of, of any race. Yeah. Like every, and, and I've, I was trying to figure out why do I love Milan San Remo so much because it's really boring up until when it isn't boring. Right. But DDV, that's stands for Dwarz Dwarf Flatter. Okay, thanks. Um, had a really 
fun last 10 minutes where like Campanarts and and Co were just attacking out of this small group and just trying to drop each other and it was I mean honestly it was like watching um one of the women races where uh you know just everyone's so evenly matched that people are just attacking attacking yeah. attacking and nobody's getting away and then finally um well just with a couple of kilometers to go MVDP attacked Tish Banu got on his wheel and then that was the end yeah um MVDP was going to beat Tish Tish in a sprint any time um so that was super fun and kind of a har- harbinger of what was to come go on that feels like the right word Is I'm going to go with it but the weekend before we had Gent Wevelchem and we saw our first black African winner yeah. of any cobbled classic ever with Binam Gourmet from Eritrea. And isn't he like 21? He's super young. Yeah. Super young. And uh, dude, I mean, so excited yeah, to see that great, dude win. Like it was just such a great finale um he really timed his attack perfectly his sprint was just solid um and he really you know i think laporte had a chance there and just couldn't quite bring it home yeah um and then a uh, jasper stoyven for trek segafredo rolled in fourth on that one um but dude that race was crazy and just to see how emotional he was and to see how much it meant to the Eritrean fans i mean right We've seen Eritrean fans at the tour of California um, and, uh, you know, seen their flags. And um, it's just they're one of the most uh, kind of active sort of nations to, uh, you know, to come out and support their, uh, you know, their yeah. country men. Um, Biniam being the most recent, I think, uh, the Tanel Berhane was another one uh, from Eritrea who used to race for, uh, well, races for Cofidis and races for Dimension Data. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's super cool. And hopefully just an indicator of our sport becoming more and more global Yeah, as we see, uh, you know, different nationalities bringing it home. Um, so that was really cool. Yeah. Well, that was uh, that was one I wanted to make sure to mention. Um, okay, good. As well, so but I think we've kind of covered all of them. Yeah, I guess. I, think so. I guess the question that remains now that uh, that we're one week fast forward. It, did Matthew Vanderpol's going to win? Oh, was oh, that not your question? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, he's well, going to win. Ruben. This time, hopefully, this one gets up, uh, uploaded so we can hear all the uh, <laughs> hear the uh, the accuracy of our prediction. But no, I think. Uh, yeah, I think MVDP is arguably the favorite to go in. You know, while um was initially not feeling good in pre-ride for Flanders and then like a day later last week had announced that he had COVID and said, you know, it's a sore throat and just a, a cold but doesn't seem too bad. Um, you know, uh, ho- hopefully he can he can bounce right back, but ugh, ugh. <laughs> I don't so, know, man. <laughs> so the one threat to MVDP at Roubaix is, is a healthy and rested Wout. Oh, sure. Yeah, um, I mean, that's true. I, you know, I do think, you know, uh, I don't I don't know if uh, 
I don't know if Pidcock, I don't know about Pidcock, but I think, I mean, this is what his first season racing the classics, right? Who? Pidcock? No. It's like his third. What? Yeah. What? He's not racing Paris-Roubaix. Anyways. Pidcock isn't on the Paris-Roubaix shortlist. Well, That's a mistake, right? Um, No, it's like his third, dude. Um, because remember he won, um, wasn't he on Trinity before? Okay. Second, second then second, second, second. So, well, the, which is still crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know, man. I just, I do. I, one thing that we had predicted last week, uh, was, was that we may see some unknown contenders kind of rise to the, to the, uh, occasion. And I don't know if we quite did, but well, I'm just saying with Amstel, I oh, think okay. there, I think there could be some, because dude, I mean, MVDP. Granted, it was Pagacha who put him on his limit, and he even said so after the race. But, um, but MVDP, he's not was very lucky to keep it with a few groups. He's there. not racing next weekend. Who is it? MVDP. Okay, he's not racing Amstel. This whole podcast is a Which joke. is weird, right? No, he's in the start list. No, he's not. According to Pro Cycle oh. Stats. <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> I'm looking at the wrong year. <laughs> okay. Freaking idiot. Come on. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Oh, we're looking at the right year right he now. He is like the, what, the reigning champion, right? I don't know. Is he? Oh, not from last year, no. but at least a few years ago. Okay, so he is on the short list. Okay, whatever, but he's dude. Not He's not confirmed. Well, I think it goes without saying MVDP is the favorite. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I'm just interested to see Can't who. I mean, would you have ever nuts. thought Van Barl would have been on the podium at Flanders? <laughs> no, probably not. So we'll but see. But it's not that surprising. It's not, but we'll see how the rest of this race shakes down. Uh, anyway, something to look forward to. And then I think lastly, uh, the only thing that's... Uh, well, maybe not lastly, lastly, but close to lastly is what the heck is going on at Quick Step, man? I mean, Bro. this this whole like, you know, I think Yumbo actually uh, kind of picked up on Quick Step's tactic, you know, similar to how mm. Team Sky was so dominant for so long, mm. and then I think other teams kind of figured out that whole marginal gains play. Um, yeah, it seems like Quickstep has uh cannot control races. They are missing moves. They you know, they're riders that they um are counting on. I mean, I guess to be fair, um uh Asgreen had a mechanical, but even then he wasn't, he wasn't gonna win. He though. wasn't like right there, right there. <laughs> I mean he followed uh Pugs up the the he followed Pogs up the first time, and, but he was just—I mean, he was like yeah. gritting teeth so yeah, yeah. bad. But I—I I don't know that it didn't look like he was going to follow him up the Petersburg. Yeah. Well, and and De Kroenig, well, former formerly De Kroenig, had uh, had controlled the races, you know, yeah. and and yeah, they're yeah. just not even—they're hanging on for dear life. Yeah, no. Um, no. you know, no. even just the move to send uh, Yakio Faberson, uh, Fabio Jakobsen. Jakob uh, to uh, MSR way, so. in place of Cav. It's just like, uh, you know, I fan of 
of Yakio Faberson. <laughs> Yakov Faberson. Yakov Fabio Yakobson. Fabio Yakobson. Uh, but it's just like, really? In like the dude didn't even finish what like top 20 top 30 I don't know. Um, he got dropped on the chapressa yeah so. and it's like it's just it's a really confusing it seems as though i don't know man it just seems like something's amiss over at quick step but yeah um, they're just not i don't know they're not they maybe it's consistently as a team they just don't have the strength to bring it home like that. Like, well, and I wonder yeah. too, if it's, if it's somewhat like personnel related of just like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, what's his name? Oh gosh. The guy, the, the, uh, the, oh, the, the guy. manager. Yeah. Patrick Lefebvre. Lefebvre has never been one to be, to shrink back from saying what he wants to say, <laughs> but, but it's just, you got that right. It just seems like, it seems like there's some weird political thing happening where it's like, or maybe just writers num- like rate uh, training numbers are saying one thing and then they're showing up to races and just yeah. bombing. I don't know, but it just seems like there's something amiss in that sense. But, uh, but we'll see. But uh, anyway, yeah, somewhere they are, they're just not, not getting it. I mean, even if you look at, I mean, they're they're Vlander's uh, team: Askreen, Lampert, De Klerk, Stemmel. Um, uh, he's a newer rider. Seneschal, Stiba, and then Van der Lerberg. Like, fine. You know, it's like this sort yeah. of standard quick step team. Last year they had Alaphilippe, Ballerini, Tinder Clerk, Seneschal, Lampert. So I mean, there's two names that have changed, and that's uh, Alaphilippe and Ballerini. And maybe that's all that they needed. Maybe it's Alaphilippe that they're missing. Yeah, maybe. Um, oh, yeah, I don't know. Or maybe they shouldn't have white sleeves on their kit. Yeah, it's tough to say. Uh, It is tough to say. I did read an interesting article, though, kind of as a closing note. Um, And this was on cycling tips, but like they do the secret pro uh, Mm. is like a recurring Mm. thing that they've done. Mm -hmm. And the secret pro basically was like talking about how Yumbo Visma is like they've all turned into a bunch of kind of like (laughs) D-bags. In the sense that, like, he, he, well, he, he in particular was like Tej Benute. He's like, I don't have a problem with Tej Benute, but like, the guy is acting like he's some sort of like patron of the Peloton now, um, and that's kind of like uh, seems to be a synonymous attitude of the team. And hmm. it's like, you know, obviously we want all teams to be sportsmanlike and be be kind to one another, but I don't know, like. Maybe maybe Quick Steps just kind of lost that like we're the best like everyone else piss off mentality hmm. you know um, and not that you want that to be like you know this this spreading like fos- like festering like ooze of of character but I mean it's won a lot of races yeah. when you think that your team is the best. Uh, <laughs> And we have like the maybe the worst end of that with like the Lance era for some other That's reasons. Pure arrogance. But then like I mean, there's other teams that are just I mean, Team Sky's one that I think towed that line of mm-hmm. like, we're gonna win. 
we're going to figure out how to win. We don't care about anybody else. Like you're going to lose. We're going to win. And they figured out a way to do it. And so I don't know, man, Marginal maybe gains. Yeah. Maybe, maybe quick steps just lost that hmm. fire. Lost that loving feeling. Yeah. Can I leave on one last thought? Uh-huh. I'm going to, I'm going to go now though. Okay. That's okay. Perfect. Um, <laughs> you take this home, man, the number of like chain, derailleur slash front derailleur related mechanicals that have been happening lately has just been crazy um i mean we saw sagan uh like in milan san remo we saw Asgreen in flanders um it feels like every race there is a major contender that is severely <laughs> derailed Oh, God. By a problem with, a, like, a chain-related issue. and Like it's a chain reaction? reaction. And, I mean, it feels like it, you know, it used to be punctured. Like all the problems seem to be linked together? Man, we really should shift gears. Okay. Yeah, it just, it's been a lot lately. This season particular, like I was, I started paying attention to it. And then once you notice it, it's like all you can see is just constant chain issues. Yeah. Um, And I thought that like, like electronic shifting was supposed to basically like render that almost null by, you know, guiding the chain more accurately or whatever or having like actual chain guides on the front derailleur so that wouldn't happen but boy is it happening a lot yeah so well, it's is technology just not what it's supposed to be is that I, what it well is? i wonder too like and this is something that you know in a in a as a cycle cross racer you know you would almost always want a clutched rear derailleur yeah but like the pros race like standard derailleurs with uh, no clutch electronic. and have almost no issues. But they also get to change bikes like every pit. That's true, except for Wout in that Holst race. Oh yeah, where he he lost his chain. Yeah, but um, but I I just wonder if like in a percentage wise, like because some of these cobbled races are brutal and yeah, but some of these were happening on like msr okay like on the poggio yeah which didn't, like just they're just the stuff that just doesn't make sense it's not adding up well and i get with marketing bullshit then <laughs> i get how much they ride, you know how long they ride but still it it was it has been surprising to me yeah it has been surprising to me so well, uh maybe we'll we'll drop that one here and pick it back up next week <laughs> We'll put it back onto yeah, put it back the, the chain ring yeah. next week. I think now's a great time to wrap things up since we're uh, just over an hour great. in. Anything you want to add? No, we're not adding anything. Yeah. Let's just say our goodbyes. It's so hard to say goodbye <laughs> to the Lost Podcast. It's <laughs> beautiful. Okay, well... Uh, <laughs> Cheers. We're going to go get some quesadillas and beer. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Okay, great. <laughs> Even though I have to be up early. But it's know. fine. Well, everyone, thanks for tuning in. We're sorry about our 
our uh, technical yeah. debacle, but I think it's only once in four years. So. Yeah, yeah, and they don't really know what yeah. happened. They don't know that this podcast was actually better than the last. Oh time. yeah, well, and two, just remember that we—I mean, good grief—like just the uncanny ability to call call races. The Flanders race was I know, just right? off the charts, I mean, we got man. The podium it was amazing. Yeah, but uh, anyways, uh, thanks for tuning in. Off the back podcast at gmail.com. Uh, cheers, everyone. Cheers.